in your love. And we thank you that you are a God who rescues, who restores, and who is always merciful and kind. And we praise you this morning as we lift our voices. Lord, now we open our hearts to hear what you have to say to us through your word. And we pray all this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you remain standing and let's read our passage uh, today or listen to the word of God this morning. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. God's word to you today. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how you must give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God's word to you today. You can be seated. Good morning, New City. My name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here today. We're going to continue in a little uh, generosity series that we started last week entitled Freely. And I wanted to begin with that passage uh, about being a cheerful giver because Paul could have said a lot of different uh, things there, used a lot of different adjectives. He could have said, you know, God loves a dutiful giver. God loves a disciplined giver. God loves a regular giver. But instead he says what? God loves a cheerful giver. Now, why would Paul say that? Why would he use that adjective, cheerful? Because it has to do with our hearts. It has to do with our posture of how we're giving and not what we're giving. See, here's the deal, friends. God doesn't need your money. Spoiler alert. But God wants your heart. And God knows that one of the chief rivals for your affection, for your attention, for your worship is money. And let me share with you a quick little principle that I heard from a friend of mine who was teaching in New City Academy last week. Kathy said, idols never fail to fail. Our idols never fail to fail. Money will fail you but God never will. And so God isn't interested in your money, he's interested in your heart. And for you to live freely, not just with your money, but with your time, your leadership, your relationships, with all your heart. And that's what this series is about. How do we live freely with everything that God has freely given to us? Now last week we talked about the first two Ps of generosity. And today I'm going to finish with the final three. So there's five total if you're taking notes. But we learned last week the giving myth. Do you remember the giving myth? Most of us uh, learned this growing up or through over time we hear this and we just sort of fall into this. And the idea is, whether it's with our money, our time, our relationships, anything that we can be generous with, we believe that when we earn more, we have more, we'll do what? Is it on the screen? Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, oh, they remembered. Uh, when I earn more, I will give more. But what did we learn last week? That statistics don't show this. In fact, data points tell us that people who make over $75,000 a year give less percentage-wise than people who make less than $75,000 a year. Hmm. So you get more money, you earn more, and there's more things to spend. And we learned last week that another trap we can have is we just save. And we talked last week that it's good to save. You should plan and you should save. We'll talk about that today. But if you're saving for a rainy day or a ra rainy season, that's wonderful. You should do that. But if you're saving for Armageddon, you can get into idolatry to think that somehow your money is going to protect you from everything and keep you secure and God wants us to find our security in him alone. And so we talked about this giving myth, this idea that when I earn more, I'll give more. But the, the, the facts don't point to that because it's a matter of our heart. Our giving, everyone watch this, your giving doesn't begin with your circumstances or the amount of money in your bank account. It doesn't begin with anything external to you. It begins in your heart. As you know that everything has been given to you, so you're not an owner, you're a steward, 
and you're able to freely give to others because you know what's been given to you. All right, so you can challenge me on this a little bit, but think about biblical narratives. We talked about John 6 last week and the feeding of the 5,000, the only miracle that Jesus performs that is found in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we learned a lot of things about the, giving, or the feeding of the 5,000 last week. But we, what we learned is that a little boy who has a Lunchable, five loaves and two fish, is able to feed up to t- uh, 20 to 25,000 people total. So let me ask you, was it about the five loaves and two fish? Was it about the amount? No, it was about the gift, the willingness to give what you had. The widow's might, another story in the scriptures, a small amount of money that was given in an offering plate. And Jesus says, she gave more than anybody else. Was it about the money? The woman who takes the uh, perfume and anoints the feet of Jesus Right? And Judah says, we, we could have fed the poor for months and months, but she gave what she had. She gave extravagantly from what she had. Was it about the gift itself? No, it was about the heart and the posture to live freely in that way. And so every year we, we teach uh, the five principles biblically of generosity. Okay, now I want to say this. If you're visiting with us, if you're watching online right now, you attend another church, this is not about a new city thing. This is about blessing uh, the kingdom of God and growing the kingdom of God and the mission of God in the world. So I hope that you'll take these five principles, and if you call New City your home, you'll apply them here. But if you call another church your home, if you um, uh, can bless another ministry through this, then praise God, because this is a kingdom message, not a New City message. But I want to teach these five principles to you. We started last week, and uh, we, we began in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and today we'll get into chapter 9. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, I want to encourage you to open them, uh, or if you have a Bible app on your phone, to open it to 2 Corinthians uh, chapters 8 and 9. Last week we were in 8, today we're going to be in chapter 9. And just while you're doing that, let me give a quick little recap If you missed last week or you just need a refresher, last week we talked about the first two P's of generosity. How do we live freely with open hands to give and to receive? And we started in chapter 8, verses 1 through 5, where Paul says, you know, in verse 5, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. And we said, okay, so our giving, our generosity begins with prayer. And what is prayer? Prayer is a conversation or a communion connecting your heart with the heart of God. And so when it comes to generosity, we have to connect our hearts first to God. Before we can connect our wallets or our calendars or any of that, we've got to connect our hearts first to the purposes and the principles of God. And so Paul says, the folks that gave generously, they gave themselves first to God. And here's the deal. Here's the way I would say it. If we don't give our hearts first to God and say, God, everything I am and everything I have belongs to you, then none of this will make sense. And, and, and we learned last week that the world is telling you a story about money, and it's a strong, powerful narrative. And here it is in summary. It belongs to you. You should get as much as you can. You should spend on yourself, save as much as you can to keep yourself safe, right? And then if you have some left over, then maybe you could think about being generous. Did you know in survey after survey after survey, people who consider themselves to be wealthy, what the number one thing they want in life, what do you think it is? People who already have amassed wealth. Well, more, but they want health. They want to live as long as they can to enjoy on this side of eternity what they've amassed. You want to know what people who don't have money want more than anything else in life when they're asked? Money. So if I don't think I have enough, I want more money. If I think I have a lot of money, I want to live forever to enjoy it and round and round and round. And Paul says, no, no. Give your hearts first to God and then to other people. In other words, align yourself to the principles of the kingdom of God, which, by the way, turn our world and the narrative of the world upside down. You know, Paul says and and reminds us that it's only when we align our hearts and our lives completely with God that all of these other principles begin to make sense. So I would say if you're looking for a a place to start, and there's a reason why it's number one here in your giving, your generosity, have you prayed about your giving? Have you asked God to give you a generous heart? You know, we talked about biblical generosity is like walking up a down escalator. It It is discipleship. It's the journey of following Jesus. And in other words, it's not passive. 
you've got to actively continue to take steps day by day by day. And it's not a one-time transactional thing where you just decide, I'm going to be generous, and then you never struggle with that again. If that's your experience, please come tell me afterwards. I just want to, I want to hear from you and understand that. Right? The reality is when we choose to follow Jesus, we have to choose to follow him every single day. In every moment of our lives, in every area of our lives, in our marriages, in our business dealings, in every decision we make, we have to choose to follow Jesus. God, what are you asking me to do? What is the Jesus way? And then I've got to have faith and trust to obey him and to live that out. Remember James 1, 5, and 6. James says, if you lack wisdom, you don't need to raise your hand. But how many of you would say, I, I, I need wisdom about something that's going on in my life? I need to understand the, the Jesus way for, for this relationship, for this uh, meeting that I'm facing tomorrow, for this circumstance or situation that I walked in the room. Maybe other people know about it. Maybe you're the only one that knows about it in the room, something that you're facing. You say, I need wisdom. James says, if you lack wisdom, you should ask for it. Verse 5, James chapter 1. But then he says in verse 6, but if you ask, you should ask with what? With faith to believe and to trust what God is saying to you. So when it comes to our generosity and being prayerful, we want wisdom from God, but we also need faith to trust God in every way in our lives. So we talked about generosity begins first with aligning our hearts to the heart of God and being prayerful. Then secondly, last week, we learned that our giving has to be a priority. And we looked at, again, chapter eight in 2 Corinthians, and we looked at verses six and seven, where Paul says, you know, guys, he's writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, you excel in so many things. You excel in knowledge and in teaching, in love, in your hospitality, in the way that you care for us. But I want you to also excel in the, I love this phrase, in the ministry of giving. And he says, you know, you made this a priority. It once was important to you. And I want you to make it important again so that you can excel. And let me ask you something. When you think about being great at something, Okay, so many of you are great in different areas of your life as an architect or as a, a business person or in government or in, in art or in media or sports, you're great. Let me ask you something. Do you get to be great at something by not making it a priority? Anybody? No. You've got to work at it. You've got to make it a priority. You've got to continue to make it a priority. You've got to say no to so many other things so that you can say yes to this one thing, to excel in something. And so Paul says, make this a priority. You, you wanted to excel. I, I, I want to call you back to it, that you would make the ministry of giving a priority in your life. Okay, let's continue. The third principle uh, today, we're, we're flipping over to chapter 9 here in 2 Corinthians. And Paul says, not only should your generosity be, be prayerful and, and prioritized, but it should be planned. You say, Chris, okay, well, where does that come from? Well, look at verses three through five here. Paul says, but I'm, I, I'm sending these brothers, so Titus and some other people from the church at Macedonia, I'm sending these brothers to you, to Corinth, to be sure that, that you really are, and underline this in your Bible, circle it, ready. As I've been telling them, and that your money um, is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about it. In other words, Paul says, I've been telling them that you guys are, are prayerful about this, that you're making a priority that you want to give. And he says, I, I, I don't want to be wrong about that. He says, you know, we would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment, if some Macedonian believers came with me and found out that you weren't ready after all I had told them about your generosity. And then verse 5. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want, to be, I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Three different times if you're counting, verse 3, 4, and 5 there in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul uses the word ready. Yeah, we'll use the word planned. Your giving needs to be planned. You need to be ready to give. Look, so many of us have a heart for generosity, we're warm to the things of God. You know, we, we sit in a worship service. Uh, we sit with someone at coffee and we hear something uh, that God's doing. We want to be a part of it. We want to be generous, but we don't have a head to be generous. We have a heart to be generous. In other words, we don't have any margin in our bank accounts or in our calendars or any way that we can give to God and respond to him. And so many people want to be generous, but they don't plan to be generous. 
They don't create any margin in their bank account or in relationships or in their time so that they can follow God and what he's asking us to do. And so for many of us, our lack of planning, readiness, prevents us from giving. And there's another thing that pops up here in verse 5. When you're not planned in your giving, you give grudgingly. <laughs> because oftentimes the money's already been spoken for. And so you're giving, you know, and you've got to kind of pry your fingers open grudgingly, right? Because you haven't opened them on your own. And you're not able and ready to be generous. I have to ask my wallet and my calendar if I can obey God. Okay? Listen, many of us, we hear from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. We read a passage of Scripture. We hear a sermon. We're in our community group. We hear something the Lord's doing. We want to give to it, and, and we say, give, give me just a second. Give me just a second. And we get our phones, and we go, let me, see if I can, let me see if I can obey God. And then we pull up our bank accounts. Let me see if I can obey God. And, and, and let me ask you, when, when we're going to our phones and we're going to our bank accounts and we're going to our calendars to ask if we can obey God, who's really in control? See, we're meant to direct our time and our money. You are ridiculously in charge of your time, your resources, your money, your relationships. God has given them to you to steward, not to own but for many of us, we have to go to our bank accounts and our calendars and all these things that are running our lives to ask permission to follow God because we're not planned. But you were meant to tell your money where to go. You direct it. Every one of your dollars, your, your, your hours, everything that God has given to you should be used for the mission of God directed by you. So plan your giving and then James 1, 5, and 6, plan your giving and then have faith to follow through on what God has called you to do. Let me say this in a different way if you're taking notes. The more planned you are now, the freer you will be later. Okay? Another way that we talk about it here on our team is the more disciplined you are, the freer you are. And that feels like that, that, that's not right. Because this, this, this feels constrictive, being disciplined and, and being focused on these things. But the more disciplined I can be, the freer and more generous I can be later on with my time, with my money, with my relationships, with everything. Because what am I doing with that discipline and focus? I'm creating margin. So this is things like budgeting, looking at your calendar, making sure that you're keeping a Sabbath, making sure that you're resting, making sure that you're spending time with the people that God's put in your life that are a priority. All these things you're in charge of. Right? And how many of you, you don't need to raise your hand, you feel like, I'm not even in charge of my life anymore. Right? I have to look at my calendar. I, I, I'm just following my calendar. I'm following my bank account instead of you directing your time and your money. And if there's nothing else that comes out of this series for you, maybe it's a, a call to reset and to say, no, I'm ridiculously in charge of my life. God has given me the grace. Everything is a gift from him right, to make decisions, and they're either kingdom decisions or they're my kingdom decisions. And if I let other people decide how to spend my time and my money, where, where's that going to put me? No, I've got to be planned and disciplined in that. Let me just share, because I'm not asking you to consider anything that, that we don't live by ourselves. For us, for our family, one of the things that has helped us tremendously in planning our giving is to automate it. For some of you, you say, I don't want to automate my giving. No problem. For us, it helped because we would be sitting in a service. I'm the pastor. We'd be sitting in the service, and I'd look over to Jen and go, did you, did you bring the check? Did you give? No, I thought you brought the check. I thought you gave. And we'd get to the end of the year, and we'd see our statement, and it's not where we wanted to be with our giving. And so for us, for us, it may not be for you, planning and automating our giving was a wonderful thing. Okay? And here's how it works for us, okay? You've got to make it personal to you. We'll get to that in just a second. The way it works for us is every single year we pray about our giving. We, fight, we try to live out these five Ps, right? We prioritize that, and then we plan it. We set the amount that we want to give to the church, and then we automate it. It goes out. I'm not making this up. I got a notification this morning on my phone. Your gift is, has gone to New City Church. We give the day before the end of the month. Well, tomorrow's the 31st, right? So we give the day before, so it's the first thing out of our bank account, that didn't always, that wasn't always the case, guys. This has been through a, a lot of ups and downs in our giving. But we've learned if we don't discipline ourselves and plan for it, and for us, automate it, it won't happen. 
and it'll get at the end of the train. It'll be the caboose. And we'll get to not only the end of the month, but the end of the year and go, wait, we thought we gave more. We wanted to give more, but we didn't plan for it. And so for us, we plan it. Again, this is the way it works for us. And we say, here's what we want to give. And that's the first thing we do. Remember last week we talked about so many of us live by spend, save, give. We've reversed that. We start with giving, then we save, and you should save and plan. And then, right, then we spend. You know, our, our mortgage, the other things that, that, that we're obligated to, that's last. And we start with our giving. And for us, we automate it so that it goes out a certain time. Find what works for you. But the point is that you're planned with it. You're disciplined with it so you can be free. And then, again, the way that works for us, throughout the year, we're able to be spontaneous in our giving to other organizations and other people that we feel led to give to because we've already taken care of our giving to the church. For us, that's the priority and the first thing. Everything else becomes giving above and beyond that we do uh, participate in. But that's more um, uh, spontaneous and freer as we've already taken care and planned for, for our giving to the church. So Paul says your giving should be planned, all right? And then he says your generosity, here's the fourth one if you're taking notes, should be personal. Okay, where, where does that come from? Well, look at verses six through nine in 2 Corinthians 9. And I wanna read, uh, I'll just read verses eight and nine of that. Paul says, and God will generously provide all you, now underline this word, need, it doesn't say greed, all you need, then you will always have everything you, here it comes again, need, and plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, he's quoting from the Psalms here, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Uh, in the um, uh, um, kind of corpus of, of, of this passage here in verse seven, this is the passage that we read to start the service, by the way. Remember, uh, Paul says, each one must give what they've decided in uh, their hearts. Interesting that your giving should be personal. You, you make a decision in your heart. Not again, this is not with your uh, wallet, not with your calendar. Actually, remember, giving begins where? Biblical giving in your heart. You give yourself first to God, and then to other people. God loves a cheerful giver, a giving that begins inside, and it has to be personal to you. Giving was once a matter in the Hebrew Testament, giving was a matter of the law. There was a prescribed amount of giving, and it wasn't just a tithe, a 10%. There was all kinds of things that were added in it, and different types of giving, and it was a matter of the law. But listen, we don't give now on this side of Jesus. We don't give according to the law. We give according to love. And Paul says in Romans 13 that love fulfills all of the law. So now we give according to love and not the law. Listen, how many of you have cheerfully, right, when, when you've gotten a speeding ticket and you were held accountable by the law, that you went, I'm so excited about this. I'm so cheerful that the law is being fulfilled right now on the side of Highway 51. No one. The law, the law, that's, you know, the law doesn't make you cheerful. But what does make you cheerful in your hearts? Love. And love always moves us to a posture, if you want to remember, one posture with generosity and living freely like this. The law makes us live oftentimes like this. Love makes us live this way. And we give now because God has given to us through Christ. And now we live all of our lives according to this grace that's been given to us. And we're not owners of our possessions, we're stewards of our possessions. Our possessions don't possess us, we possess them. And we leverage every single one of them for the kingdom of God and the principles that matter to us. Again, God doesn't say here that, that the Lord loves, a, or Paul doesn't say here that the Lord loves a dutiful giver, you know, or a regular giver. He says a cheerful giver. It's personal to them. It's happened in their hearts. The law can't make you cheerful. Only love does that. If you grew up, let me speak to tithing for a second, because for some of you who maybe didn't grow up in church or just come back to church, you go, well, what, what is tithing? Well, it's this principle of giving 10% of all of your increase. And you say, well, isn't that the law? 
kind of, it was codified into the Hebrew law, but actually the tithe takes place long before uh, um, the Mosaic law was codified, right? So uh, uh, Abraham goes to Melchizedek and give, in Genesis and gives a tenth of, of all that he has. So there's a principle of giving a portion of what you have, 10%. And if you grew up tithing that, I would just say affirm, it's a wonderful biblical principle. Here's the trouble sometimes with tithing, as I've sat with people in co- coffee who, at, at coffee who, who give regularly and practice tithing, which I'll just be vulnerable and open and say, we do. I think it's a wonderful biblical principle and that you give not only according to your tithing, but even above that to the beginning place of generosity, in my opinion. But if you give just for the tithe, it can, be, it can become legalistic. And I've sat with people before that go, you know, I give 10%, which don't tell me how much you give, by the way. I don't know what any of you give, and you don't need to tell me how much you give, okay? So if we pass each other in the hallway, you don't need to dive into a closet or come up and mug in front of me thinking that I know how much you give. I don't know how much you give, right? Um, what I would say, though, is if you, if you tithe, it's a wonderful thing. But, but sometimes, if you do it according to law and not according to love, if you do it because you have to do it and not because you get to do it, what can happen is you think 10% belongs to God and 90% belongs to me. And what Jesus says all throughout the New Testament is no, um, 100% belongs to God. All of you belongs to God. Everything that God has given to you, it ultimately comes from him and you're but a steward of everything that God has given to you. So I think, you know, tithing is a wonderful thing. And as you think about your generosity, some of you, uh, the call is to take steps towards that. I know for some of you in your giving, it can be a light switch where you go, I literally need to go from giving nothing to beginning to practice this, and I'm going to start with 10%. Great starting place. And it can be a light switch, and you flip it on, and you do it. For some of you, it's a dimmer where you just go, I need to keep taking steps to get there and go above and beyond and continue to excel in that. But I just want to encourage you that Paul says you got to decide in your heart. And in your heart, it's according to love and not to law because someone's telling you to do it. Remember, Paul says uh, God doesn't want a, a person who gives uh, based on compulsion that, they're, that they're, you know, they're coerced into giving. No, God wants you to open your hands and give freely because you have a free heart. And Tim Keller says people who were looking forward to Jesus gave 10 plus percent. What should people give who have experienced Jesus? Right, so tithing is a wonderful principle, but we don't give according to the law. We give, or a percentage or a certain amount, we give according to love, right? And we give generously. All right, let me, let me just give you a passage, and I'm just gonna read this and, and, and let it kind of sit with all of us. Uh, Paul is writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.10, and this is what he says. For the love, remember, love, the affections of our heart, God wants our hearts, right? For the love of money, is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, does Paul say, you hear this teaching like that, that money is the root of all evil? No, no, money is amoral. Money's just a possession, but who possesses who, right? Uh, Paul says the, the affection of your heart, remember where we started, God loves a cheerful giver, beginning in your heart. So when you give your heart to money, when my affections and my love are directed towards money, he says that is a root of all kinds of evil. Not money in and of itself. Money is amoral. It's what I choose to, to, how, how to direct it, how to treat it. And Paul says it's the affection for money, the idolatry of money. Remember, your idols never fail to fail you. He says that's the root of all kinds of evil. And he continues, and some people craving money, not craving the things of God, not, not craving the principles of the kingdom of God, but some people craving money have wandered from the true faith. In other words, it's a rival to their affections and craving God, and they've listened to this, they've pierced themselves with many sorrows. Whew, what a passage. And you think about your own story right now, and you think about different stories of people that you're journeying with right now and how this applies. That they're craving their love for money because remember, money for us is a chief rival to our affections and craving God. Money is amoral, it's not good or bad. But when we love it in the way that we're only called to love God, it pierces our lives with many sorrows. Anybody with me on that? Isn't this so true? 
as we look at the story that the world is telling people about money and generosity, how many people do we know their lives are pierced with sorrows because they love money? And when you love money in this way, you can't love God. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. The throne of God is not a two-seater. Either God is sitting on the throne of your life or someone or something else is, and money oftentimes is there for us. So in our generosity and our giving, we've got to make it personal. It's got, to, it's got to get deep within our hearts. We don't give according to the law. We give according to love. A hundred percent of our lives belong to God. So what do we do with that? Well, I've shared personally for us. Again, I'm, I'm only sharing this because I don't want to share anything up here that we're not trying to live under as a family. For us, it begins with a local church. You say, well, that's great, Chris. You're a pastor. Of course you're going to say that. Okay, fair enough. But the reason why I say that is because all throughout the scriptures, the church is God's plan to share his purposes with all people. Go read 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 6, verse 2. And then let's have another conversation. And if you don't think that the church is the primary agent to share God's kingdom in the world, I just would challenge you to read the New Testament scriptures and to see how God wants to use not an institution, but his people, the gathering, the community of his people to change the world. And it doesn't matter how small that group is or how large that group is, God wants to use all kinds of different gospel teaching and preaching and living churches to change the world. Now, is the church perfect? This church isn't perfect, right? One rule here, okay? No perfect people allowed, okay? If, 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 if you find the perfect church, don't join it, okay? Because you'll mess it up. Every, right? Every, I haven't met a perfect person yet. And the church isn't a building, it's not a name, it's not, any, it's, not, it's not an institution, it's not just an organization, right? The church of God is people. And people are not perfect. So the church is never gonna be perfect. So if you're waiting for the perfect church, you're gonna be waiting for a long time. But here's grace. In spite of our uh, imperfections, in spite of all of our flaws, which I'll lead the parade on in this church, and in spite of the ways that we fall short of the way that God wants for us to live, God still is faithful to use his people to share his purposes with all people. Because it goes all the way back to what he said to Abraham in Genesis 12 and 15. I'm going to bless you, Abraham, so that you can be a blessing to all the families of the earth. And guess who the children of Abraham are now? People who follow Jesus. Not by the law, not by lineage, but by grace right? And because we live in that promise, now we share that blessing and promise to other people. So there is no perfect church, but God wants to use his church to bring his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And so I would say that your giving begins with your local church. If New City is your local church, let your generosity and beginning in uh, uh, giving begin here. It doesn't end here, but it should begin here. If you have another local church, you're visiting today, you're watching online, bless your church, right? If it's a gospel preaching church, a Bible teaching church, bless your church. And I hope that this series will bless a lot of other churches and Christian organizations. But begin with your local church. Again, I'm not telling you anything that we don't do. We start, it's the cornerstone of our giving to New City, and then we give to a lot of other organizations above and beyond our regular giving. Let me say it this way really practically, okay? If you call New City Church your home, Right? If you regularly sit at the table of New City, whether it's here at South Park, at Matthews, you watch online, and you're able, if God's blessed you, right? I just would ask you, if you eat at our table, that you would help regularly pay for the groceries. Okay? If you're visiting, if you're still trying to understand if this is where God is calling you, please don't feel any obligation to give to New City Church. But if you call New City your home, if you've made a commitment to our mission to help people find and follow Jesus, that you would start your generosity and your giving in a new city. And then let that spill over into other organizations, other um, places and people that are doing wonderful things for the kingdom of God. And I want to encourage you, I'm going to send you an email today if you're on our email list, and if not, you can sign up online. 
I'm going to send you our impact report that shows all the stories of the ways that we're trying to steward your giving and help every dollar and every hour, and I would add every square foot of our facilities used for the mission that God's given to us to help people find and follow Jesus. Every dollar, every hour, every square foot. And that impact report helps to tell that story. I'm going to send you our audit report today, right? We're audited by a a third-party external organization every single year that looks at all of our finances, looks at all the different things, and publishes our report to make sure we're doing the things that we're supposed to do to be good stewards and account for things properly, right? We have an annual budget that's approved every single year. It's not me sitting in an office going, well, what are we going to do this year, right? It's our staff, our elder board, and ultimately the members of our church that approve our annual budget, okay? Is it perfect? No. Go back to what we talked about with perfect churches, right? There's no no such thing as as perfect. But is the heart to be good stewards? Absolutely. And I want to send you those things so you have confidence that when you give every dollar, every hour, every square foot given for the mission. By the way, just real quickly, it's been so fun, you know, when we teach uh, generosity every year in two parts, and again, last week I talked about, I know the conversation, believe me, is all the church does talk about money. All the church, I get it, and I hear it. I understand it, right? But the reality is Jesus talked about money because he knew that it was a chief rival for the affections that we have for him. And in practicality, we teach about it two Sundays a year. And the average American goes to church twice a month, right? right? So the average person might hear it. But the reality is, is that our culture, all our culture thinks about is money. And so we need to understand what God says and thinks about money, or we're going to be swallowed up by the story that our culture is telling about money. And it's been so fun this week as we think about generosity biblically to hear so many stories from you. Some of you emailed me, came up and found me, and told stories, personal stories, about how God has met you in your generosity. And I love this because it accentuates point number four here, the fourth P, that it's personal. The story's personal to you. You have a story to tell because you're the one that listened to God. You prayed about it. It was a priority. It was planned. It was personal to you. And now you have a story to tell other people to encourage them, which is exactly what Paul is saying. All right, here's the fifth P, if you're tracking along here. All right, finally, our giving, our generosity should be progressive. In other words, it should grow. It's not static. It's not a one-time thing. It should continue to build and grow. Uh, Look at what Paul says here in verses 10 and 11 in 2 Corinthians 9. For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer. In other words, it's all his. And then the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. In other words, generosity starts in your heart inside of you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. In other words, everything belongs to God and you can't outgive him. The very seed that produced the bread comes from God. So everything that you have belongs to God. And God is generous with us so that what? We can be generous with other people. Now, God doesn't, just to say really quickly, God doesn't bless you because you give to him. Okay, there's a false teaching known as prosperity gospel that says that as I prosper and give my money to God, then God is somehow compelled to give to me and bless me. And this puts you in the seat, the driver's seat. It makes you God in this equation because somehow you've given and your offering binds God to give back to you. No, we bless other people because we have been blessed and now we can be a blessing to others. We don't bless other people so that we can get blessed, right? If you're a follower of Jesus today, you're already blessed, And now we give according to what's been given to us. Let me say it a different way. Some people give for the blessing of God. But those of us who understand biblical generosity give from the blessing of God. With Christ, you start at the finish line. Your starting place is the finish line, that you're complete in Christ. And now we don't give for blessing, just like we don't live for the approval of God. That's old legalism. That's law. No, we give from the approval of God. 
He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. And if we're made righteous, if I've been blessed, now my life is but an overflow of the blessing that God has already given to me. I don't give so that I can give, get blessed. I give because I have been blessed. And it's not about the amount of money anyway. It's about my heart. So if you hear that teaching, you should get up and walk out. If someone says, you got to give so that God will give to you and bless you. Nonsense. Everything God has given to you, everything you have is a blessing from God. And it begins in your heart with Christ. Now here's what I would say. When you give, you open up your hands. And what Paul is saying here is that it all belongs to God. And when you show up with a posture of giving and generosity, it opens your hands to not just give, but what else? Hard to receive with, with, like this, right? Very easy to receive with my hands open already. I've already received from you, Jesus, and now I walk through life with this posture to receive and to give. And I grow in that. So our giving is a response to what God's done for us, and I continue to grow in that. As I grow in grace, I grow in my generosity in every single way. And again, personally, I'm not sharing or preaching anything that, we, that we're not trying to journey with and wrestle with in our own lives. As we've given, it's been a journey for us. We've learned to trust God. We learn that God will come through. Now, now listen, back to verse 8. Not according to our greeds, everything that we might have agreed for, but according to what? Our needs. God has always met our needs, not always in the way that we thought, not always when we thought, but we've never missed a meal. I've shared before, uh, we've, we've had steak dinners, we've had a lot of beanie weedings, but God has always provided for us our needs, and we can count on him to do that as we live with open hands. That's what Paul is saying here. And through the years, as you trust God, as you grow in your giving, as you continue to take steps in generosity of opening your hands, you learn that God is trustworthy that I can trust him, not just with my money, but with everything in my life, I can be generous, All right? So I wanna speak to those of you just really quickly who would say, well, I, I don't even have a job right now. I mean, I'm just starting out, right? I, I, and, and you kinda get back, you start slipping into that. When I earn more, when I get a position, when I take steps, I'll give more. But I just wanna encourage you to begin generosity now. For students in the room specifically, start being generous now. Don't, don't wait to make it to start giving because once you make it, what you'll find is that everybody else will want a piece of the pie, right? Start giving now. Start being generous now with your time, with your money. I heard this incredible story. A student came up to me last week and said, you know, I don't have a job, but I, but I have an allowance and I save it and I, I give off of that. I've given $60 to the church this year and God bless them for that, right? And just that heart of, because it's not about the money. It's about the heart, and being generous. And listen, don't live your life to be a perfect person, right? There is no such thing until we get to heaven. Live your life to be a purposeful person, right? To live in the purposes of God with your hands open to receive his purposes through Jesus and to live your life missionally in that way. Here's all five P's together if you're taking notes or you wanna screenshot this. The five P's of generosity at New City that we teach from 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Your giving should be prayerful. Align your heart to God's. It should be prioritized. Anything in life that you're great at, you've got to make a priority, a, a priority and work at it. Make it a priority. It's got to be planned. You've got to be ready. It's got to be personal. It starts in your heart. It doesn't start in your, your wallet or your counter. It starts in your heart. And then fifthly, grow in it. Don't just make it a one-time thing or static. Continue to grow as you grow in grace, as you follow Jesus, as you become more like him. Open up your hands and continue to be more and more generous. Let me finish with this verse, 2 Corinthians 9, 12. Paul is summarizing his thoughts and he says, you know guys, when we think about generosity in this way, two things will result from this, I love this phrase, this ministry of giving, and it is. Two things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. Remember, they're taking an offering for the believers in Jerusalem. And he says, secondly, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. In other words, when you give generously, when you give biblically, real needs will be met. It might be the need of someone sitting around you right now. 
It might be the need of someone that you're going to pass on the street today in our city. It might be the need of someone that you won't meet until you get to the kingdom. But real needs for real people will be met when you give biblically. But also, joy and thanksgiving and gratitude, not just for the receiver, but the giver, are going to result from biblical giving. Because, bottom line, bottom line when it comes to our generosity and giving, God doesn't want something from you. God wants something for you to live freely to Christ alone be the glory today let's pray together Jesus thank you for your generosity to us and now our generosity is but a reflection and a response to what you've given to us The scriptures remind us, Paul reminds us, that you became poor so that we could become rich in Christ. So help us to live with open hands, not closed fists. Help us to enter into our week, this week, to enter into our workspaces, our family, our neighborhood, our our church, our city with open hands, looking to give and to receive the blessings that you have for us. Help us to live freely on mission for you, helping people find you, Jesus, and passionately follow after you. And we'll give you the glory for it. In the name of Christ, amen. Would you stand as we respond in worship?
much for being with us today. If you're looking to get connected here further, the easiest way to do that today is to go to Connection Point in the courtyard, and we've got some teammates that have a gift for you and would love to tell you about how you can take a step of connection here at New City. If you need prayer this week, we'd love to pray for you. We've got a, a prayer team that prays every week, and we'll have that available after the services up front here as well. So you can take the card in front of you, the Connect card, and fill that out or go online and share your prayer request with us. Uh, last week, we introduced this card uh, to, to serve in NextGen, just to fill out and turn in if you're interested in serving the next six months with kids and students. I shared with you that our, our attendance in NextGen has doubled since May, which is awesome, but we need volunteers. And so if the Lord's working in your heart and you want to serve the next six months, twice a month, uh, it's not forever and ever, amen. Uh, but, but if you'd like to serve from November through April, uh, we'd love for you to fill this out, and you can drop it in the baskets at the doors when you leave, or you can go online, newcity.us slash say yes, uh, to sign up for that. We're going to continue our series in Judges next week. We'll start part two, so we won't be talking about giving anymore. It's safe to come back in the water. And we'd love for you to come back next week as we continue in Judges. We'll pick up there uh, for the rest of the fall, and, and we'd love to see you. Uh, if you're able, would you extend your hands for a benediction as we go today? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and lift up his attention upon you. And may the Lord today and all throughout this week fill you with his love and his mercy and his grace. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Love you, New City. Thanks for being here.